Welcome. This is Peretz V, a.k.a. The Reb. The Reb with a cause, and the cause is you. A rebel against a life without meaning, value, and purpose, after all. As we look at the world revolve around us and wonder at the events that take place each and every day, how can a person exist without meaning, value, and purpose? I'll be um, also interviewing and speaking with my, uh, my good friend, M.S. Uh, Lamito, or Emmett Lamito, we, we uh, call him either of those names, known as the Scarlet Pimpernel of Talk Radio. He'll be giving us his take on some things. Meanwhile, I hope that you're, you're doing well today. There's so much going on today. A lot of people who need a refuge There was a couple in Lakewood yesterday that was injured in a, an automobile accident. They said they should be okay. And then there was a, a toddler, a baby that fell outside a window. Uh, she needs a roof with Shlema, as well as a bucker who had uh, also been hit by a car. A lot of things going on. The, the daily occurrence of things which boggle our mind on a personal and a world level tells us that each day we have to recognize and, and appreciate the fact that we're here, that every heartbeat that we have is something that we have to be grateful for and say thank you to a Baruch Hu. And... Um, Obviously, that that is a mandate for us to, to hope and pray that Mashiach is going to be here very, very soon. And as we look around the world, you can take a look at what happened in Nepal. That did not happen by accident. I think a person just has to ask themselves, just has to ask themselves, what what was going on in Nepal? What, what type of city is it? What does it represent? Of course, we are not we are not in a position to judge why things happen, but that they do happen, we know is not without cause, without a reason. And it does require scrutiny on our part to realize that when Hashem does something in one part of the world, it is for our benefit. It very well could have happened in our own backyards, Lower Lano. The fact that it didn't is something that we have to be thankful for. The fact that it happened there is something that we have to be mindful of. And if you've got some thoughts on that, um, you can give me a call at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. I know that um, MS um, Amito, who's going to be joining us, will have some thoughts on that, and you'll be hearing from him. I think it's incumbent upon us to use our wisdom on a daily basis, on a daily basis right? To use the inherent seichel, as we call it, that a Kaddish Baruch was implanted with each and every one of us. And a person does not have to be Shlomo Amelech, King Solomon, to appreciate the fact that we have the gift of wisdom, and we daven for it every day. We ask Hashem to give us das, that it is, in essence, a level of wisdom, having the ability to think and to reason. If you ever met somebody who just did not have that ability, you know what I'm talking about. And even people that, that have intelligence may not be wise. The two are not the same. Wisdom means that we have the ability to perceive things and then act on them and integrate them into our lives. That's the penultimate wisdom. Now, there was somebody, and um, not that I'm saying he's the paradigm of wisdom, but he's certainly a good example of that, at least in reference to what we're going to be talking about now, and that was none other than Alexander the Great. This is a story you've heard me tell many times before, and it does appear in a medrash that takes place in Parshas Emor, which we're currently in. 
And I've seen it brought down, in particular, from somebody who himself was a lover of wisdom and a purveyor of wisdom, Rabbi Echanoch Leibowitz, Rabbi Echanoch Leibowitz, one of the, the pillars of the Chofetz Chaim Yeshiva. And he has a book, I don't know if it's still in print, but you should get hold of it. It's a Musara Torah, Majesty of Man, Torah Insights into Human Nature. I really want to suggest that you get hold of it. It's it's extraordinary in terms of its cogency, its precision, and its wisdom. So let me share with you one of the stories that he brings down, or one of the instances from the Gemara and the Medrash that he brings down, which has to do with this love of wisdom, the appreciation of wisdom, and then what one person did with it and what we need to do with the wisdom that we acquire. In the Parsha, you'll notice that it says, Emor Elokahanim. Speak to the Kahanim, the sons of Aaron, and say to them. Now, how he links this exactly to what we're going to hear, I'm not sure we'd have to go take a deeper look at, look at that. But he does bring down a Medrash in Bayikra Rabbah. And right, right here on this, on this Parsha, which tells us a story, and that is Alexander the Great once attempted to conquer a city known as Cartagena, which was inhabited... Okay, I'm going to give you a choice. What was Cartagena inhabited by? It was, was it inhabited only by people who wore certain types of garments, leather garments with gold, with gold threads throughout it? Was it inhabited only by, by people that were over six feet, eight inches tall? Was it inhabited only by women? What do you say? 718-683-5858. Okay, you got 30 seconds to do this before I, I get to it. 718-683-5858. If you want to let me know, what was the city characterized in this uniqueness? Inhabited solely by women, by people that were over 6 foot 8 inches tall, or people that wore garments made of leather, leather with gold threads? Well, okay, if you said it was inhabited only by women, you were right. So ladies, listen up, and gentlemen, listen up, because this is for everybody, both genders. And that is that the city of Cartagena was inhabited only by women. And a delegation from that city was sent to meet with Alexander, because they knew when he shows up at the city gates, look out, he's going to take over the city. And nothing, nothing, as far as he was concerned, other than a Kaddish Baruch, which we understand could have and did in this case, stop him. They told him, look, Mr. Alexander the Great, you have nothing to gain by battling with them. Because if he were to lose, he would lose in a most embarrassing way. I mean, after all, what, what, would, he, what, would, he, what, would, what would he say? He lost to a, a group of unarmed ladies? How is that a feather in his helmet? And if he were to win, so he would gain no glory by defeating unarmed women? Right? So it was not a win-win situation. It was exactly the opposite. It was a lose-lose situation. So they put forth that argument to him. And, of course, he didn't have to agree to it. He could have just disregarded it. But upon hearing it, what did he do? He retreated from his positions. And not only did he retreat from his position and just back off, but he did something else, which was absolutely remarkable. And that was, he placed a placard at the entrance of the city. And what do you think the sign said? 
Well, I'm going to tell you because it's brought down in the Medrash what that sign did say, and you and I are talking about it right now. The sign read, I, Alexander the Great, was a fool until I came to the city of Cartagena and took advice from women. Why would he write something like that so that it would remain in perpetuity? Not only that, for a long time, like you and I are hearing it now. How did the delegation of, of women persuade Alexander to withdraw his forces, and what lesson did he learn from them? What lesson did they learn from him? Or what lesson did he learn from them, rather? And they reminded him and gave him a clearer understanding of a significant fact. What was that fact? Well, the fact was, you don't take risks without the chance of profit. You do not take a risk without the chance of profit. What will be the point of taking the risk if you're not going to make a profit? And more importantly, they taught him to apply this maxim to a new situation, which was, which was right then and there, his current, present military strategy. Now, Rabbi Leibowitz, Zegert Salaf points out an amazing nugget and insight of chachma and wisdom that I want each of us to take and, and integrate into our own lives, starting right now. And again, when, you know, when we talk about Growing for Greatness, which is what the name of the show is, along with Straight Talk America, I always think about how I can integrate it into, into my own life. So he was impressed by this message, and he made a proclamation, an announcement that was so widely publicized that if you think about it, you and I are discussing it, hearing about it, reading about it, talking about it, over, say, 1,000 years, 2,000 years later. He declared, declared that he had been a fool, and only now had he become enlightened. Now, let me ask you something. Why was he so moved by the message of Cartagena that he considered himself a new man, a former fool, and he announced this fact to the entire world? Imagine that somebody comes to your city. You're in Muncie, you're in Borough Park, you're in Flatbush, you're in uh, Lakewood, you're in Des Moines, Iowa, you're in L.A., you're in Cleveland. Well, you just picture where you are right now. And you get a knock at the door. Pardon me? Uh, may I come in, Mrs. Goldstein? Yes, I'm a representative of uh, the President of the United States. Here's my Secret Service card. The President has heard that, um, that your group, while listening to J-Root Radio, likes to discuss things that are very relevant to the world community at large and very relevant to the Jewish community, and we're very much taken by that. The president has actually been tuning in. Why, you are flabbergasted. And after giving proper credentials, you say, um, all right, well, what is it? Well, the president is right here. May he come in? And there he is. Hi, good day. How are you, ma'am? I would just like to have a word with you. And they begin a conversation. We've heard that you have, uh, along with members of your community, a definitive opinion about the... Um, about the, the goings-on in, in the land of Israel. And we understand that you have some opinions on how that might be improved, and I'd like to hear them. And you tell them, well, the best thing that you can do, Mr. President, is to support Israel. Do not do any deal with, uh, with Iran that's going to put them in jeopardy as well as the United States. Plus, the most important thing is you should support yeshivas. You should find a way 
that government stipends or out of your own money, Mr. President, that should be the real iron dome. That should be the real defense mechanism that is uh, the most protective edge in the land of Israel. He says, you know, I've been doing some research on that, and I, I have thought about that. And he decides that he's going to go to Congress, that the educational system in Eretz Israel has to be overhauled to support yeshivas. And not only that, all of a sudden there's an influx of private industry money that goes to Eretz Israel to support yeshivas. And, and not only that, but he goes back and he, he writes a press release so that the major news media now writes up that the Goldstein family in Flatbush, along with their, uh, their study group, J-Root Radio, met with the President of the United States, who now decided that he is going to be a supporter of Israel and support the yeshivas there, and that is going to be the best way to defend the land of Israel. Now, I can hear you laughing down your sleeve there. Come on. He's not going to do that. First of all, he, <laughs> he wouldn't do it, right? And not only that, if he did do it, did you think that he would go out and he'd uh, take out a full-page ad in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal saying that I, the President of the United States, was a fool before I came to uh, the Goldstein family in Flatbush and uh, and realized the the faults of my previous ways and decided to do this. No, right? He wouldn't do it. But that's, in effect, what Alexander the Great did. So here's my question. Why did he do it? What was he so moved by? 718-683-5858. The first three answers. Now, I told you last week I was going to send out a, a gift certificate to for slices of pizza and a Coke. Uh, somebody did send something in, but they didn't send their address. Now, I did take their phone number. We'll try and reach them. But you have to call in with your... Uh, with your address and phone number, and leave it for us at EICHLER Media. First three great answers, you're going to get uh, two slices of pizza and a uh, drink of your choice at a local kosher pizza establishment in your neighborhood, wherever you are around the world. But you got to call me right now at 718-683-5858 with the answer to this question. What was it that Alexander the Great appreciated? Why was he so moved by the message of the ladies of Cartagena that he considered himself a new man, a former fool, and that he announced it to the entire world. What do you say about that? Come on, think about that. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Now, I'll give you a hint. It does have to do with what we do with when we acquire a new piece of information. Not only information, but an insight and what we do with it in terms of perceiving and understanding and which does have ramifications in all the dealings with others. Now, by the way, if, if in fact, you've ever acquired a piece of wisdom that made a, a huge difference in your life, you can share that with us as well. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We're giving the first few callers uh, some pizza and a drink at your local um, pizza kosher establishment, wherever that is around the world. But you've got to call me right now. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. This is Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb, saying thank you very much for joining us right here on JRoot. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. So what do you think was so valuable about what Alexander the Great learned? I'm going to give you the answer that Rabbi Leibowitz gives us, which will um, definitely enlighten you and make you wiser, but let's hear what you have to say about it. And have you ever learned something that you were able to integrate 
into your life that you felt made a difference, a piece of wisdom that you still use and that uh, stands you in good stead. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. This is Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb, licensed by the State of Awareness to live life to the fullest. We'll be back after this. And uh, don't forget to give us a call at JRoot, 718-683-5858. Say, 
learned the lesson that each of us really needs to to integrate into our own lives, not just taking a, a piece of information, a piece of sechel, but wisdom, perception, and understanding, which had ramifications in everything that, that he did in his life, not only in this military endeavor. Now, Alexander is a brilliant, he was a brilliant, brilliant leader. There's no question about that. He may not have liked his military tactics, but he certainly was brilliant. One of the things that he possessed that was very special about him was that he had a love of wisdom. People who knew him knew that he appreciated wisdom. And he realized that this additional bit of knowledge didn't only make him a much smarter person, much wiser, but in fact it elevated his entire being and it transformed him into a different person. That's really the key that we're driving at here. This bit of knowledge was able to transform him into a different person. Alexander considered himself, in his former self, to be a fool comparatively to the new person that he had now become vis-a-vis this piece of wisdom. It sounds a little wild, though. How does a piece of wisdom transform a person? Well, if you think about this, think about something in your life, a piece of information that you gained. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing that recently that I came across that really, I think, transformed the way I the way I look at things. And here, here though, the understanding of human psychology, it's not just only uh, an important tool for generals and world leaders. I mean, we're all generals and, and leaders, as it were, in our own lives, right? In our own families, aren't you? Aren't you the leader in your family? I mean, or co-leader, a wife, a husband. And even if you're, a, you know, a child, I'm a, you're a leader in your, in your class or um, in your own way, you're a leader. If you set a good example, you're a leader. So no matter who you are, you, you have the ability to, to interact, and hopefully you do, with your fellow human being. Now, obviously, a Kaddish Baruch Hu, who created us is the foremost expert on human dynamics. I mean, literally, he wrote the book on it, right? The Torah. The Torah is his handbook. Right to the understanding of mankind. Obviously, it's divine, and it's filled with with kedusha. But that kedusha infuses the wisdom that's in it as well. And our chazal, our sages, are the illuminating rays that spotlight the Torah's lessons and bring out the full beauty of the words of Torah. And we have to study this guidebook, this handbook, as it were. And I'm using that, that, that term in a, in a positive way. I don't want to, in any manner, shape, or form, um, take away anything from the godless of Torah, Khalila, by referring to it as a handbook. I mean, it's much more than that. It is, a, uh, it is the divine document by which we, we live our lives. But... It can be looked upon in some ways, and these are the words of Rabbi Leibowitz, otherwise I would not have chutzpah to say it. It's a handbook, in a way, that we have to follow. It's a blueprint that we have to diligently look at, diligently, not just scuba dive through it, but we have to deep sea dive into it to glean the sometimes hidden lessons and to bring us to higher plateaus of insight and knowledge. And at the same time, if we appreciate the value of every new idea then we're going to feel the joy and exaltation of spiritual growth. That means you are going to be so happy with every new gem of wisdom that you learn and integrate into your life 
that you're going to be beaming. And with each line, each word, each letter of Torah that we learn, it's going to elevate you if you allow it to penetrate. And this was the, this was the perspective of, of all people, Alexander the Great, who obviously was not a member of Unzachever, right? He was not a member of the Jewish people. So surely we who are Amanivchar, the chosen people, should appreciate and feel the enormous simcha of having the privilege to study Hashem's glorious treasure, the Torah HaKadosh. Now, let me give you a bit of uh, wisdom that I came across. And it says, Chachem right? You come across a piece of wisdom, and you should integrate it. So there was somebody who said that we tend to look at things not the way they necessarily are, but the way we are. Now, when I heard that, I immediately thought, you know, that's exactly what the Torah is telling us, that a person has to look at things with an eye in taiva. If you look at things with a good eye, if you look at things with a good perspective, and you refine who you are, as the Kutzka Rebbe said when he said that the waters were bitter, really he said it could go on, hey, Morim, they were bitter. The people themselves at that point were bitter. And this, this insight was something that became galvanized when I, when I heard this other bit of wisdom, Mahavala, that said we tend to look at things the way we are rather than the way that which we're looking at really is. And if the person would have looked in the Torah, they would have gleaned that wisdom. Uh, somehow, you know, when you read it in Reader's Digest, uh, you know, oh, you think you gained a bit of wisdom. Why? you got to write that down. But it's in the Torah. You don't need these secular sources. I, it makes you feel better because you, uh, you saw something that some famous motivational writer wrote. Okay, that's cute. And yesh chacham it's true, but they don't have Torah. What makes the wisdom truly authentic and meaningful is that it's in Torah. But I'm saying this is a piece of wisdom which I gleaned, and I thought about it, this idea that the way we are influences what we see. When a kid comes home and he's complaining about the yeshiva, is it really the yeshiva or is it the way the kid is himself? When we complain about certain things, really it's more of a reflection of what our current state of mind is or how we are than the way something actually really is. What do you think about that? I think it's a fantastic thought, and it's one of the ways that... um, I integrated this bit of wisdom. What wisdom have you gleaned that you've integrated into your life that you'd like to share that's made a difference with you, that you use either on a daily basis or when situations come up, you're able to, um, to utilize this bit of wisdom? Share it with us. Share your wisdom with us. 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, because we really should share the wisdom that we have and the Torah knowledge that we have with others, and we should look forward to learning Torah. Just like, you know, when we meet here and we talk about growing for greatness, the idea is to be an impetus that we should go out and learn more, to study more, and to learn with diligence and with excitement and with a sense of anticipation. It gives us a mitzvah, as you know now, to count the days from the second day until the Yontav Shuas. As you know, that is called... Um, the Sphere Sa'omer. And if you look in the Parsha this week, which I know you've done, it's a part of Lechem, and you shall count from the day after the day of rest, from the day that you brought the wave, waving Omer, seven complete weeks they shall be. Tiena. Now, this mitzvah that we're given 
where's the root of this mitzvah? So the root of the mitzvah, according to the Sefer Chinuch, is that the, the essence of Am Yisrael is what? The essence of Am Yisrael is the Torah. And for the Torah, the entire world and Klal Yisrael were created. And the Yidden were redeemed from its Ryan in order to accept the Torah Kedoshet Har Sinai and, of course, to fulfill it. What's the point of getting it if you don't fulfill it? The counting of the days from Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim until the day of Kabbalah's Torah is an expression of the importance of the Torah for the Jewish people. And just as a person who has been enslaved and knows that they're going to be liberated on a certain day, they are going to count each and every day until they finally get their freedom. And so, too, we, we count the days until we receive the Torah. Counting the days shows that our entire being has a strong desire to finally reach the end of the time that we are counting. Now, the greater our appreciation of the Torah, so the more you're going to study it. If you appreciate it, you're going to study it. The more you appreciate it, the more you're going to study it. And realizing how important the Torah is for us as individuals, as part of a nation, for the nation in its entirety of which, of which is comprised of individuals, of which you and I, Baruch So then we're going to have great joy and pleasure when we devote ourselves to studying and mastering it and encouraging others to do the same. You know, every year we, we count the days between Pesach and Shulis, and we again repeat this message daily for 49 days, because by repeating it, the repetition helps it sink in. The way you want to accomplish anything is by constantly hazarding it over, by repeating it and doing it, doing it over and over again. When, when I was a kid, I studied with a, um, a karate uh, expert who had a lot of top-notch students. I don't know if I was one of them. I mean... I was a kid, and I was trying to get myself into shape. I was one of those, you know, out-of-shape kids. And uh, I was introduced to this fellow, and he happened to like, he happened to like uh, Jewish people, had a lot of respect for, uh, for members of the Jewish people. And he said, you know, you're different than everybody else. He said, you know, I will take you on as a student. He said, but, you know, I want you to remember something. He says, everything I'm going to teach you will only be of value to you if you keep practicing it. Even if it's the most basic kata, the most basic exercise, you've got to keep repeating it. And he says, for the next two months, I want you to take each thing that we learn and go over it. He says, my best students are the ones who, whatever they learn, they do it 20, 50, 100 times a day, each one of those exercises. They just spend an hour reviewing just the basics, the fundamentals. And that's what makes them so good at the high-ranking belt and level that they are now. Very interesting. So we see that concept is something that uh, everybody can benefit from. Now, our commentators mentioned that, and I'm not talking about karate, but I'm talking about the the real essence of strength of a Jewish person, somebody who is able to kavish yitzro, somebody who can conquer the yitzahara and refine their midos. That's really what makes a tough Jew, not you know, not not muscles and biceps or being able to run the marathon. It's cool, it's nice, but what really makes you a tough Jew? A tough Jewish woman is not the fact that she barks at her husband. And a tough Jewish man is not the fact that he's a tyrant, God forbid, chasfashon. What makes you a tough Jew is the fact that you're able to control your impulses. And when you think about, you know, kids that are at risk or adults at risk, the people who give in to their impulses and 
contrivers and can't control themselves. They're really the weakest of all people. But somebody who can conquer those impulses and say, no, I know that there's a lot more in store for me and a lot more I can accomplish if I overcome those impulses. Well, that's part of what the spirit is. We're counting these days and working on ourselves every single day. Each one of these days is for working on one of the 48 tools for acquiring Torah that are listed in the sixth chapter of Pirkei Avos. There are 48 ways of acquiring the Torah. And in their totality, they comprise the traits and attributes that make up the complete person, the full you. Rabbi Barker Leibowitz, the Rosh Hashiva of Kamenetz, once remarked, and this is a, a beautiful thing to think about, that this formidable scholar said, what can compare to my situation? I wake up in the morning and it's as though I have the Shagas Arya, the Ketsaisa Chayshin, the Rebbe Kiva Eger, all these great classical Mephorshim and the Torah, waiting for me in my bedside. I can't wait to wash my hands and arise to my riches. Chaim Shapiro brought that down a number of years ago in the Jewish Observer. And think about that. So you get up in the morning like that, you can't wait to get out of bed, to daven, to go learn, to do mitzvahs. Are you, if, you're not, if you're not doing that, you are really missing it. And if I'm not doing it, then I'm missing something. And you know something? This is something I've started working on. This sense of joie de vivre, simcha sechayim. And if you, if you learn Torah, you'll appreciate it. And if you appreciate it, you'll learn it. So let's do it. All right. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We'll be back with more. All right. The next three callers, anything that's on your mind or your heart, preferably something that we talked about now, I'm going to get you a gift certificate, or we'll send you the, the gelt for a pizza store near you to get a couple of slices of pizza and a drink. Uh, I have to contact the people that reached us last week because they only gave us their phone numbers and not address. You can reach me at eichlermedia at gmail.com, but call us now if you want to be among the first three to get your slices of pizza and a drink, courtesy of Parents Be the Reb on J-Root. By dialing me at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Take it away, and Ron will be back with more. Stay tuned right here on the station that listens to you, on the program that listens to you, Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb, growing for greatness right here on Straight Talk America. Parents Burke Eichler, a.k.a. The Reb, The Reb with a cause. And the cause is you, licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its
be a mood of happiness. And I'm not talking around, walking around, you know, dancing in the street and singing, you know, uh, singing Having a Gila. Although why you'd sing Having a Gila, I don't know anyway. But <laughs> what should be a person's normal mood? And where do you learn it from? Well, you learn it right here in this week's Parsha. You learn it in Emor. Our normal mood should be one of happiness. And Rabbi Zelig Pliskin, my good friend, brings down from the Pasuk, which says, Vayidaber Hashem el Moshe Lemur, and the Almighty spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the B'nai Yisrael, which is you and me, saying on the 15th day of the 17th month is the Yontif of, of what? What do we have? On the 15th day of the 7th month. Come on, you know what that is. Sukkot, right? Seven days dedicated. HaKadosh Baruch Hi, how are you? Peretz B, a.k.a. the Reb, how are you doing? So, okay, good, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad, glad to hear it. Meanwhile, Rabbi Hirsch tells us, Rabbi Shemshu Rafael Hirsch tells us, that Rosh Hashanah, according to the Torah law, is only one day. Uh, the Rabbanim, it's, it's two days. And Yom Kippur is how long? Anywhere, no matter where you are in, in the entire world, in Eretz Israel or outside of Eretz Israel, how long is Yom Kippur? It's only one day, you know that. How long is Sukkot? It's seven days outside of Eretz Israel. It's eight. But in in the Torah prescription for Eretz Israel, it is seven days. So think about this. Rosh Hashanah is a day of shaking us out of our our ways of life that are displeasing to a Kaddish Baruch It's it's a wake up call, literally. That the shofar blast lets us know: wake up, come on, come back, do what you have to do, fulfill your purpose in life. And Yom Kippur is a day of fasting and awareness of our faults and mistakes, of our errors, of our transgressions. But now, following Rosh Hashanah, the ten days of Tshuva, and Yom Kippur, comes, comes Sukkot. And that sets us up afresh to living to achieve the highest earthly possession. What is that highest earthly possession? The Torah is the highest possession, but that's heavenly and earthly, right? But what's our highest possession here? Joy and simcha, happiness, before Kaddish Baruch There's only one day for the mood of Rosh Hashanah, and only one day for the fasting of Yom Kippur. But seven days, a whole Gansa cycle of days, for the joyful building of our sukkahs, and for enjoying our possessions before Kaddish Baruch So this is what is most characteristic of the Torah, of Torah law. It teaches us that the normal mood of our lives should be not this downtrodden, broken, in the feeling, but the joy of life, the joie de vivre, the simcha sachayim, which runs equally through the year of a life faithfully devoted to duty to Avodah Hashem. We only need to look around at, oh, at, a, at a family that went through a devastating tragedy of fire in Brooklyn, and how that that father carries himself with such amazing dignity, and despite despite the the devastating tragedy which happened, he carries himself with a demeanor of simcha, and a type of simcha that can only come from somebody who understands that a Kaddish Baruch runs the world, something that is a a lesson for everybody, no matter what a person is going through in life. There 
is the ability to see the light through the deep, vast darkness. How a person does that, we should never have to be challenged by that situation to know. We can learn from from, from somebody like that, from a family like that, that when you are infused with the Munim B'Takana Kaddish Baruch that is based on the reality of appreciating Torah and Mitzvahs, that our Simcha and, simcha and life will permeate everything that we do. And, and something else, if somebody who does go low lane through something like that can rise to that level of appreciation and, and inner joy, what should that tell each of us who are only confronted with minor obstacles in our lives, things which at the moment seem like they're, they're so troubling and disturbing? And the truth is, they may very well be. But if somebody can, can pull himself up from the depth of despair through learning Torah, and that's not a panacea, that's not just a little pill that you take to make yourself feel good. You realize that life is filled with meaning and value and purpose that we learn from the Torah Kedosh. Alexander the Great could appreciate that. Don't you think that we should? Herod's B, a.k.a. the Reb, the Reb with the cause, and the cause is you. So I didn't hear from you yet. 718-683-5858. All you got to do is just call in and share some of your thoughts with us. And uh, being shy is certainly a great quality, but if you can share your knowledge and share your wisdom, well, we'd appreciate that. And it'll, it'll, that'll get you a lot more in life than just two slices of pizza and, uh, and a Diet Coke. But if you do call in, the next three to five callers, 718-683-5858, just for touching base with us and sharing some of your thoughts right here in J-Root. So we will provide that, Bez Shem for you at your local kosher pizza establishment, wherever you are in these uh, in, in, the, in this neck of the woods. And our neck of the woods is a pretty big neck of the woods, given the fact that we're heard all over the world. And that means you can be in uh, Singapore, you can be in Cleveland, Ohio, Los Angeles, Lakewood, New Jersey, all points in between Brooklyn, Borough Park, Flatbush Marine Park, Sheepshead Bay. We'd appreciate that. It'll, it'll, that'll get you a lot more in life than just two slices of pizza and a uh, diet coke. But if you do call in, the next three to five callers, 718-683-5. Hi. You're on the air with Parrots B. How are you? Hi, Ron. Are we there? neck of the woods is a pretty big neck of the woods, given the fact that we're heard all over the world, and that means you can be in uh, Singapore, you can be in Cleveland, Ohio, Los Angeles, Lakewood, New Jersey. Hi, this is Paris Bean. Sounds like we had a little technical glitch over there, but we are moving along green light straight ahead. So our normal mood should be that of happiness. And when a person is happy, and realizes that a Kaddish Baruch gives us everything, so then you're going to wake up with a fantastic attitude in the morning. And your attitude determines your altitude, how high you go in life. Now I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about artificially induced happiness. I'm talking about the happiness that comes from the Simcha Sakhaim, that you know that everything that you do has a meaning has value and purpose to it, especially during these days of Sphira. 
And I think it's important to realize also that when we recognize what, we, what we're doing in Sphera and we're sensitive to other people and realize that that sensitivity is something that we can and should acquire during these very special days. Again, going back to some of the words of Rev. Hanach Leibowitz in his book um, called The Majesty of Man, Torah Insights into Human Nature, which I recommend for everybody, the son of Shlomis Bas Divri blasphemed, really cursed the name of uh, one of Hashem's names. He cursed Hashem, well, let, let's call it what it was, throughout the camp of B'nai Israel, and was brought before Moshe and the B'nai Israel, awaiting further instruction from Hashem, were left to their own reasoning and dealing with him. Now Rashi says that B'nai Israel placed him in a different cell than the Mekoshish, the one who desecrated Shabbos. This is an amazing thought. Now wherever you are, I want you to just take note of this thought. Because you may not have thought about it before. I know I didn't think about it before I came across this. As to the level and degree of sensitivity that we have to have. So this person was placed in a different cell than the Makoshesh, the one who desecrated Shabbos, who happened to be incarcerated at the same time. Now, the Makoshesh was awaiting his punishment, which was death. The fate of the Makalo, the one who cursed Hashem, was yet to be decided. Now, listen to this. This is mind-blowing. Had they been put together, the Makalo would have assumed that his penalty was also death, which was not yet certain. He's being put in the same um, cell as this other person, so he would have assumed that he was going to get the death penalty, even though that hadn't been decided yet. So that would undoubtedly prompt him to feel a degree of anguish. He would feel badly about it. Some people would say, good, let him feel it. No. To avoid this unnecessary, unnecessary suffering, B'nai Yisrael decided to keep the two separated. They had done two different averas and kept them separated. Now the Das Zikainim notes that the B'nai Yisrael were unsure that if the one who cursed Hashem was even worthy of death, what was the reasoning? That somebody who curses his parents receives capital punishment. B'nai Yisrael inferred this that naturally, cursing Hashem is worse, a Kalva Klimer. Maybe the severity is so great that he would not be allowed any chance of, of, uh, of kapora, of atonement, in this world. And therefore, his punishment should remain totally in the hands of Hashem. So if the Makala was deemed so despicable as to deserve a fate worse than death, so why did the B'nai Yisrael go out of the way to ensure that he would not wrongly assume that he was on death row? If that's what he was guilty of, and that's what he was going to get, so what, what would they care why should that bother them? So the B'nai Yisrael were setting an example for us, and this is the example, and I want you to think about this. We have to be sensitive to the greatest degree of everybody's feelings and needs. It's true. The Mokala was really wicked, immoral, and deserved the greatest punishment possible. But nevertheless, B'nai Yisrael had the responsibility to uphold his human dignity and avoid causing him any undue pain. Now, what's the lesson for us? It's, it's partial. It's obvious right here. Even if our neighbor is somebody that we feel is different than us, and they might even do things which are not only different but, but wrong, you know what? We don't have a right to unnecessarily hurt that person's feelings. It's not a blanket permission. It's not a heter to go do things that are nasty to that person. How much? I'm not saying that you shouldn't correct the person and shouldn't be bothered by the fact that the person is doing a misdeed, and that you shouldn't in a nice way try to correct it. But to be abusive, to hurt their feelings unnecessarily, absolutely not. 
And we have to be responsive and sympathetic to the needs. Kalbachimer of family and friends. I, I mean, think about it. Does, does anybody ever, does he ever been in this situation? Somebody said, uh, um, uh, come see you. I don't know. I'm going to, oh, yeah, I have to, uh, I have to pick up uh, a shirt at the cleaner, so I'll be at that neighborhood, so I guess I'll come by and see you. Gee, thanks. I mean, your shirt at the cleaners was the reason that you need to, that, that, that's, that's the only reason you'll come by to say hello, because the cleaners happen to be in your neighborhood? Or, uh, no, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I got tickets to, uh, uh, I, I got tickets to a, a new fishbowl that they're giving away over at, uh, at the store, so I'd love to come see you, but uh, I, there's a chance I might win this fishbowl, so I, I really don't think I can make it over to see you. Um, people come up with the dumbest excuses and are so insensitive to people's feelings sometimes. So we've got to recognize that we've got to be nice to our family and friends. And the message of the days of the Omer is not feeling meaning that you're supposed to be a goody two-shoes. Yeah, you're supposed to be a good person. It's not merely that you're holding back from certain pleasures, but one of caring for our fellow human being. The 24,000 Talmudim of Rabbi Kiva, as you know, died in this time period because in some way, in some slight way, they didn't respect each other as the stature should have. The Torah requires and expects us to act towards everybody with the greatest amount of compassion and love imaginable. Everybody! By putting in every extra effort that we can at this time of Sphere's only, my friends, we'll be well on our way to preparing ourselves for Shavuos and Kabbalah's Torah and accepting the Torah Kedosha as put forth so beautifully in the words of Rebchanach Leibowitz. All right, didn't hear from you today. I guess it means that uh, you weren't in the mood for pizza or something like that, but... We'd like to hear from you and let you, let you know that we're here for you. We are the station that listens to you, and uh, you can speak your mind and your heart. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. You can reach me at eichwrmedia at gmail.com. Reach out and uh, say hello and let us know what's on your mind. eichwrmedia at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now, go and learn.